Welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm Akemini. I'm Michelle. And I'm Christina. This table is built by black women and for black women. So welcome to the table, sisters. Hey. How y'all doing? How y'all doing this morning? (laughs) Good. (laughs) It's morning where you are, Akemini. That's right. Oh, yes, it is morning where I am. Still in Cali. Um, different time zones happening here yes you're right we do we have three going on right now (laughs) three the hard way (laughs) yes 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 so yeah everybody's enjoying their day off (laughs) that's right it's monday absolutely yes 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 good 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 well i'm excited uh for our topic this morning or today i should say um i'm the only one you know lagging behind uh uh, we are you know what we we are in the spirit of continuity you know um and respect for our elders right we are wanting to honor black fathers so we are talking about uh black fatherhood that is on the table today uh and so yeah i'm excited and so, uh, so yeah, what, what comes to mind or what bubbles up for y'all when you hear black fatherhood, anything that comes to mind, good, bad, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that, that question could be a whole other series, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, we're in this, uh, we are in a time and in a culture where perceptions of a particular piece of black culture are sometimes mm-hmm. and very very often different from the realities. And so how we perceive things and especially negative pieces or sad stories or tragedies become the common narrative sometimes, especially in black fatherhood. So mm-hmm. I think it's good to just put put it out put it on the table that we know that some people have perceptions that are actually not the case. And some people have experiences that are actually not all happily ever after and Mm -hmm. as pure as gold. So I think that, to me, the thing that comes to the surface most is the importance of story, the importance of grace, and uh, the the deep impact of reading nuance, of holding things in tension as we share and even as we process live, like we are processing this topic live right here. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I think, I think it's important for us to, to just make that plain and to say we're open and we're ready to embrace all of the narratives that come through realities uh, instead of just speaking from perceptions. Mm, that's good. That is good reality instead of just speaking from perceptions. Very good. Um, what about what about you, um, Christina? What are your thoughts? Black fatherhood. What bubbles up for you? You know, I think uh, the word that comes to mind, I think Michelle may have already in some ways articulated, but I was going to say misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I say that just based on um, it, it seems as though if there's any problem related to black American reality, I... <laughs> Yes. Like the the go to reason for it mm, <laughs> right. is black fathers. I mean like mm-hmm. they are <laughs> black thereof. 
mm-hmm. I mean, they are, that is to blame for it raining on your wedding. That is to blame for. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag thanks, black dads. I mean, it's, I mean, it's to blame for them running out of collard greens at the grocery store. I mean, it is to blame for yeah. every issue that you can imagine. Yeah. And I'm saying this as somebody with a background in family therapy. So I, I deeply mm. believe that the family system is important and that, uh, fathers and black fathers, even more specifically what we're talking about, are incredibly important and uh, have a significant role to play that impacts the entire system. So I'm not diminishing the reality that black fathers deeply matter, yeah. but I do think it's it's quite misunderstood. And I, I think even understanding black men and the complexity of black men is something mm-hmm. that's deeply misunderstood. Um, and that comes out of my work probably mainly in uh, family systems work and hearing people talk about black men and pathologizing black men or articulating that they have one personality type, which is uh, usually painted as um, <laughs> derelict and avoidant and unemotive and, um, right, right. you know, these descriptions of black men that are clearly articulated by folks that actually don't know black men or aren't by black men themselves mm, describing right. who they are. So um, misunderstood is what, what bubbles up for me. How about you, E? What comes to mind? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think somewhat along the same lines is that that misunderstanding, you know, um, about black fatherhood and what that looks like. Um, and for me, I'm always looking to change the narrative um, because, I mean, it's just, it really is a myth. I mean, I think the CDC put out a report, I think back in 2015, sure. uh, mm-hmm. that showed that actually 67% of black dads who don't live with their kids actually see them at least once a month, at least, compared to 59% mm-hmm. of white dads and just 32% of Hispanic fathers. Um, and so there's compelling ev- evidence there that suggests that a lot of this is myths, right? Um, and, uh, and, uh, and just this, um, obsession with pathologizing, uh, black folks, our community. Um, and, uh, because people, people need to have somebody on the bottom, right. In order to feel mm. that they are somebody, it shouldn't be that way. Um, but that, that seems to be what, what happens here in America anyway. And so that's, so I think about, you know, just that mischaracter mischaracterization I think about um the ways that uh they're pathologized um and then I think about the ways that I've experienced which I'm sure we'll get into how we've experienced black fatherhood and it just doesn't jive for me you know with what the media portrays um what we hear from our interlocutors uh yeah from people who have no vested interest in our well-being (laughs) or Mm -hmm. even in our um you know in 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 seeing us do well or thrive right it's always people from outside the community who um like michelle and like christine like you said they don't know a black father and therefore they want to latch on to memes literally memes okay um, about <laughs> black fatherhood as a means to 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 tell us why uh mike brown deserved to be killed and and and, mm, and why trayvon you know should have died because he had a packet of skills in his hands you know it's just oh, like God. really so so yes yeah, so anyways i think about that stuff so i get angry to be if i'm honest <laughs> because right. i just cannot stand um, when the whole truth is not told, 
You know, are there people that have experienced um, the absence of their black fathers? Yes, definitely. We're not here to deny that. But are there people who have had loving black fathers who doted on them and loved them? Yes. You know, and I can testify to that. Um, And so we're complicated people. We um, contain multitudes like everybody else. And so, uh, so yes, so I never, I don't know. I just, I want the full story told, you know? And so I, I hope that this, you know, this conversation will, you know, help reorient people, will help give voices for people, you know, who haven't maybe had the cookie cutter experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I hope people can locate themselves within this conversation. I hope black mm. women and black men can locate themselves in this conversation somewhere, somehow is mm-hmm. kind of my hope. Um, so, yeah. So so what would y'all say? What, what was your experience? How about that? Of black fatherhood, being black daughters. What was it like? for you to experience, you know, being your daddy's daughter. And we, we will talk about our, our fathers, right? So we're going to do our own episode about our dads. But how would you describe black fatherhood as you experienced it? How about that? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I can jump into this because mm-hmm. I am, and this should be resonate also, with, I guess with all of us, actually, I, I none of us have brothers, right? Oh yeah, yeah, no. Right, right. So my cousins, who I consider brothers, but yeah, no. Mm-mm. I got I got I got to tell you, this makes a whole lot of sense to me right now for my <laughs> psychoanalysis. Tell us seriously. But, yes, curious. break it down. Yeah, so, so in many ways, I think I imagine there are people who listen to us who feel like we have a lot of moxie or boldness. Mm-hmm. And I was raised by a black father who um, did not have sons. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the way, <laughs> and the way that he dealt with, I guess, not having a son is that he treated my sister and I like boys. And by that, I mean, oh, by, same, same. Yeah. And yeah. by that, I mean, I don't mean like in a, uh, like as a caricature, like you play football or that right. kind of thing, unless we wanted to, I guess. But, mm-hmm. but more so as in, yeah. What do you think about this? Or mm-hmm. something's broken, you go fix it. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I say like a boy, that means with an expectation that you can handle a situation, that you are competent, that you you can fix something that's broken, that you can speak up for yourself, that you, um, that respect should be assumed. And so um, (laughs) my black dad gave me that. And I remember once getting in trouble, I got in trouble, you know, a few times here and there, you know. Just Um, once or twice. Once or twice as a a, a youth, as a youth. And and I remember my dad saying to me, Christina, I'm surprised by this because um, I've raised you to have a great deal of self-respect. And, you know, so (laughs) talk about, you know, so I didn't really, we didn't need need to go anywhere after that. I was like, that's true. You had, let me get it together. Um, (laughs) So, so yeah. And also, and also my, my own dad was, um, you know, he grew up, he grew up in many ways without his father. And so I had the dad that was the, um, I'm not going to be like my dad, dad. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so walking into the classroom and seeing my dad sitting there talking to my teacher or, um, you know, um, watching, we watched our favorite movies together, all that kind of stuff. You know, we have our own songs that we know all the lyrics to, and we sing together. (laughs) So I mean, I have a very rich, warm experience of black fatherhood and I'm, you know, and my husband, I think in many ways embodies that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we also have only daughters. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. so yeah, so that's, that's what comes to mind for me. How about you guys? Mm, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think a lot about um, the experience of first. I mean, it is fascinating to have to be in a group of women who are, you know raised by dads that have only daughters. But I the, didn't the think about that before. Right. <laughs> I never made that. <laughs> it but now makes sense. sense. I just feel like that's. First of all, that's so cool. I mean, I also wonder, is that how we're attracted to each other? Yeah, oh, that's maybe. My friend, that's my friend. <laughs> how did that happen? Mm-hmm. But I do believe that something incredible about the many Black fathers that, that I have known is that they, they do raise their daughters in a way that non-Black people might presume. And I like the way you put it, Christina. Oh, they're raising these girls like they're sons. Mm. But actually, they just raising us like we black. <laughs> mm-hmm. <And> so <laughs> so there, there may be, again, there's this perception and this reality. There may be some perception that, quote unquote, moxie mm. is uh, male or masculine somehow. But, we, you know, we've talked about breaking that down. And it's really right. just self-respect. Sure. That's mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. what it is. Sure. And so... I, I do have a dad that wanted sons oh so bad till me and my sister started dating and he was like no on, all women only uh, anyway, <laughs> that's a whole other story but, um, <laughs> but I, I do have the experience of seeing not just my father but his friends who had children yeah, all of them treating mm-hmm. the women in their life like queens mm. and treating them in ways that they need to dismantle their sins of objectification. They need mm-hmm. to dismantle their ideas of male dominance, uh, male mm-hmm. supremacy. But for for all of their faults, all of their failures, the, the thing that they chased after was to see their families thrive and not just survive. Even those who were not living with their children or able to be consistently present with their families, they put all their money, every penny they made, they put it into their families surviving. And so it's always been a a really beautiful piece of fatherhood for me to see men who aren't afraid to sit down at little children-sized tables and have tea parties with their kids or watching dads just do backflips or fight umps and refs at their kids <laughs> ball games live um, but probably my favorite picture of black fatherhood is the get down at the cookout I mean there's nothing I mean it's so it's Memorial Day right now but there mm-hmm. really is nothing more enjoyable than watching droves of African-American men specifically those are the uh, that's the ethnicity that I spent most of my time with growing up in the realm of blackness, but watching them argue about which Temp's song was the best, talking about how to make a pork steak. You don't know about that if you ain't from St. Louis. Hello. (laughs) Talking about how to grill pigs nude or whether or not all pork is killing black people. (laughs) Arguing about who was better, Malcolm or Martin. Mm -hmm. And, And what they were doing, what they are doing in those moments is they are raising the children around them. They are rearing the children around them without even knowing that this sort of indirect child rearing is teaching us how to be. 
it was teaching us how to to speak to each other the accents that we would absorb the different tones and the interests that we would absorb i wouldn't know who marvin winans was if it wasn't for my dad mm-hmm. and i sure wouldn't know how to saute an onion if it wasn't for my grandfather okay. and so there's so many different <laughs> levels of fatherhood that are indirect that are modeled without them having sort of an intentional direct interaction. And I am tired of non-black folks telling me the black fathers aren't involved when if black fathers are present, then they are participating in child rearing simply by being there and being Mm -hmm. themselves in the Mm -hmm. presence of their kids. Mm hmm. That's good. That is good. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think uh, similar to y'all, my my experience of black fatherhood has been um, uh, interesting, really. Uh, and I will go a little bit deeper into this, but uh, my father became blind. And so he became disabled uh, in maybe his oh his 30s early thirties. And so I have experience of my father before he got sick where we, you know, this is how we, we think about it in our family we, before he got sick and then after, you know, um, he got sick. But I think, uh, as the father, an African father of three girls, he always Ooh. raised us. Uh, uh, he never, tre- yeah. I mean, he always treated us, I guess in some ways, like you said, Christina, like, like your dad treated you guys. <laughs> Uh, he treated us as human beings. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Uh, he, he believed that we were human beings made in the image of God. Um, and he didn't actually think we were less than men. And so that's right, pretty revolutionary, right. actually. Um, and and he wouldn't have characterized himself even as a feminist either. I think yeah. he's just like, this is just basic Bible. I mean, like <laughs> common sense, right? And so, uh, so yeah, he. I mean, from my father, I learned that I could do really anything that I wanted to do if I put my mind to do it. There was, I didn't really have any, any career or profession that was off limits for me at all. Uh, I, my political engagement totally came from my father. Um, and I learned to form strong opinions, um, based on facts. So having receipts was important. Um, but, but, but yeah, he helped cultivate a lot of that, um, in me, but even, even uh, beyond that, I think um, uh, with my dad's illness, I, I had to, ex- my, my understanding of fatherhood was expanded. So um, I really understood what it me- meant to have a village help raise you. You know, so I had uncles who stepped in, stepped up, took us to the movies, took us to the beach. My uncle Ama, my uncle Sukwa, and my mm. uncle Bassi, who really, you know, they would take us over, you know, um, over the weekend and go hang out with them at their house. Like, you know, like things like that, you know, um, and they treated sure. us like their own daughters and um, who they were technically really family. For, some were cousins. Two of them are my dad's cousins. The other is a family friend. Um, and they would just treat us, you know, like their own kids. And at that, at that point, they uh, one of my uncles didn't have any kids at that point. Uh, but yeah, they were they learned to look after us, took care of us, looked after our well-being. So I think yeah. um, for me, being a black child, I just learned. Um, I, I don't know. I've just never understood the nuclear family to be the end all and be all of what it means to be a family. Um, and so, um, and that's circum, maybe that's, I guess, because of my own circumstances, um, in my, my own upbringing and whatnot. But I just, I learned that that family extends beyond mom and dad. 
Sure. It includes aunts, uncles. It, it includes um, your church family who's holding me down, you know, even now, you know, as a single woman. Um, and so, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, I learned, yeah, so much of my understanding of even music comes from my, my dad, which we talked about, right? In our Black Music Month, that came sure. from my dad. My taste in music came from my dad, you know, um, being able to understand Ecclesiastes, knowing that there's a time for everything. I learned that from my dad, who threw parties every weekend, you know, so <laughs> I don't know. He was just a really fun loving guy. And so I, it's just something that I, I just, I don't know. I learned a lot from him. He was pretty vocal too. And so, um, so it's funny now that I'm, you know, older and now my dad's been gone for quite some time, um, uh, or dead for quite some time. I should say, so people know what I'm talking about when I say gone before folks start making up stuff about my daddy. Um, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, hold up now. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, um, it's like, I'm discovering more things that I didn't know that I was like, Oh, so a lot of this came from my dad and I just didn't know because I was sure. so young and we'll go into that later. But, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I don't know that those are some of the things that bubble up for me. I don't even know if that was co uh, like, I don't even know if I made any sense with what I said, but <laughs> when I think about black, it's, it's complicated for me, I guess is what I'm trying to convey. It's complicated. Yeah. It's complex. You know, complicated doesn't necessarily mean bad. It's just as not as um, clean cut, you know, or as straightforward as maybe it is for some other people, you know? Uh, so, so yeah, there was a lot of moving parts for me in understanding uh, fatherhood. But what I, what I, I guess, and I think part of the reason why I also reject this biblical manhood and womanhood, if I can park here for a second, is because I saw, you know, um, I don't know, I saw my father take on untraditional, quote unquote, roles. You know, when he was not, before he got blind, he would cook, you know, uh, he would clean, sure. he would do all these things that are like sure. domestic, you know, for he sure. would take care of us, you know, like my mom could leave him at home with us, you know, and it wasn't, <laughs> He's babysitting so his kid. He's, like, he's that's all real stuff. It's so weird to me. I'm like, I understand this. You know, so so I so so I think that's why I'm like, huh? So like, yeah, so I don't know. That whole rigid and isogetical stuff just does not jive with my own understanding of what black fatherhood mm -hmm. is. And I just don't see it rooted in scripture, but that's another story. But uh but yeah, so I don't know. That so I guess it's complicated and complex, you know, in the most in the best possible way, if that makes a redemptive way way i should say yeah. you know because uh, there were some really hard things about that but um but yeah i mean i don't know i mean i mean black fatherhood is not it's not in a vacuum i mean none of our roles are in a vacuum That's but right. but when you really think about black fatherhood it is it's constantly in a conversation um one that's an intrusive conversation with systems of oppression and so <laughs> i mean one not to mention all the critique that you just gave about uh, paradigms of uh, biblical manhood and womanhood. But in addition to that, if if your identity as a father is always in a forced conversation with systemic oppression, how could you live that out anyway? Sorry. How could you embody yeah. those 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 um that a lot of that biblical manhood rhetoric is based on a particular relationship with culture and society of superiority. And so for men who are constantly being, um, who are the last to be hired and the first to be fired. You know, mm -hmm. what does it mean to be a provider? What does it mean to have your whole identity tied to the money that you make, that you have to make more money than your wife? You know what I mean? Like it, it uh -oh. is, um, 
it is such a slap in the face, I think, of the reality that many people have, not just in the United States with black men, but men all throughout time and all over the world. Um, there are factors that are simply outside of people's control. And when I think about black fatherhood, I'm thinking about something that is always in, like I said, this forced conversation with systemic oppression. And, um, and yet, and still, at its best, it is able to model and show a perseverance, um, a use of humor, um, a fidelity, um, a, a confidence and a humility that includes domestic and child work, <laughs> as well as working in other spaces, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's certainly what, what I saw as a kid from um, different men in my world and certainly from my dad, you know, when Michelle, you talked about, um, both of you guys talked about like men who cook. I mean, mm-hmm. my family tradition is that men cook. Like that's <laughs> when, I, when yeah. I met when I met my husband, yeah. who's, a, who's a Southerner, and he didn't quite have that built into him that he didn't know how to cook. I was confused. <laughs> I was like, I feel like I think cooking is like a life skill. Like cooking is like, a are life you a man or not? <laughs> I mean, really, it's like I where think Mike the, at? Mike on the grill right now, though. <laughs> he gonna be on that grill now, y'all. Um, tell him, tell him, girl. But I mean, I look at that like that's a life skill. That's not like a gender that's specific. Right. right. Yes. Survival. Yes. You know? And so I'm thinking like everybody should know how to cook. And my father, I delighted being in the kitchen with him mm. as we pretended to be like, you know, television chefs and cook together. <laughs> he, ta- he taught me the best way to cut an onion, you know, the best way nice. to clean chicken. The be- I mean, that's awesome. My mom, you know, she was like, look, y'all, I got these, I got, I got some work to do. <laughs> We can have hot dogs and baked beans tonight, Amen. okay? That's I what we can that. have. <laughs> I love that. And, and, and I think of my mother as like the poster child for femininity. And so in no way does this mean that she was not a godly woman because she was like, hey, y'all, y'all on your own, find something to eat. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that was a part of my development too. Like, yeah, I need to get it together and contribute to this family. So um, yeah, all of that to say that you're right, like Kimberly, this idea of the complexity of, of black fatherhood um, why do you all think that black fatherhood is so vilified? Mm. Yeah, I, that 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 is deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and that was my similar thought was once we realize that people are vilifying or have been traumatized from black fatherhood being vilified, how do we answer them, right? I mean, yeah. I'm in I'm in that space where mm-hmm. I I believe that <laughs> the reason that black fatherhood is vilified is because of all the lies we've been raised to believe a black about black males. Yeah, of course, right. And so I've got we we have centuries of proof, of evidence, of as we say receipts mm-hmm. concerning the manner in which our men our fathers, brothers, uncles, our baby cousins, our babies, mm-hmm. our babies mm-hmm. are considered evil before right. they are considered human. I think about the children that my husband and I have in our care from time to time and how uh, we have a one-year-old who is not little. <laughs> He's not small. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> we make jokes about it. I'm like, but this brother probably 15. He just he's just trying to slide in and get somebody to change his diaper and wipe his behind. <laughs> he's so big. <laughs> but um, but when we go to different child care um, 
centers. He's treated horribly. He's uh, expected to behave like a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. He's disciplined and called um, strong-willed or distracting or too loud or yep. too rambunctious or worse. At one years old, he's called dangerous. Ugh, yeah. And I cannot imagine what that's going to do to him as he grows up. And mm-hmm. so think of a black man who has made one to 101 mistakes, just like any other non-black person. And imagine that if they have gone through things similar to this child that I know in 2017, imagine what lies we have been led to believe and worse, what lies our communities count as truth and how that applies not only to personhood, but to the care and the nurturing of others. Automatically, black men are presumed to be remedial in parenting. And that, that lie, <laughs> as most evil, really comes from some deception that is man-made. I mean, and that's, that's how we build our communities on the people that we feel should have the most power are also the ones who get to inform everybody else of how we should treat each other. And that's why I believe so deeply that we vilify, I mean, we mostly vilify black fatherhood from refusing to know the whole story. It doesn't mean we don't have problems. But it does mean that you can't say that one, one big community mess is caused by one segment of the community. That is, as Akimini said, there are clear studies that say yeah. it is not true mm-hmm. that this is a community-wide issue in terms of love and interaction. That's good. That is good. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think you really summed it up. Um, and I don't even know that I can really improve upon that. What what I will say is, um, I know I, I don't know if this is a west. This might just be a Western thing. I think that um, in general, in I can only speak for America, right? But I think there's probably some elements of this maybe in Europe too. I don't know. Um, that's conjecture on my part. But I think that there is a very um, how can you say a full on assault? I think on on um what a father is anyways there, there's a ways that fathers are just denigrated in this society that are very different from <laughs> other you know other countries you know in the world you go anywhere in africa fathers are esteemed right um you go anywhere in india same thing you know you're going to see people exalting um their fathers sometimes in in a way that is not uh, that's to the detriment of women and mothers in that society right mm-hmm. um because that te- toxic patriarchy comes into play um but yeah but in in america there is a, a, a way in which black men are the vin- villains you know and and portrayed to be so um you know in in and you have you need to have a bil- a villain right in order to have a hero right and so you have you know the the, the white father coming in as oh this you know be, leave it to cleaver type of you know um crap that people are saying they want to uh, go back to and make america great okay but you know uh people in that generation and 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 their grandfathers and and whatnot were actually lynching back black men who would have been at the table eating supper with their kids so 
when people say they want to go back, I don't know what they're talking about <laughs> when they say that. Um, but I do in this conversation, I do want to for us to be able to recognize and and maybe speak to those who might be suffering um, right now or struggling to listen to even or maybe may, may not even want to hit play on this episode because they have suffered um, maybe um, so much pain at the hands of their father, um, whether he be absent, whether he was abusive, whether I don't know. You know, I don't know this, their circumstances. They 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 could be plenty, you know, of different scenarios in play. Right. We all have different. Um, upbringings and different life scenarios and things going into play. But what would you all say to, uh, to, to women or men who are listening to this or who, who are reluctant to listen to it because they didn't have a father in their life, or if they did, their father was abusive um, and they, they want nothing to do with their father. What, what would you say to that person? Mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> what I would say initially is I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. And that, I mourn with those who mourn and that, um, yeah, that, I, that they have reason. They have legit reason for sadness and disappointment. Our, you know, our father, our earthly fathers, um, you know, they are, they're broken people. I mean, it's just a reality. And um, in some ways, if, if we begin to fixate too much on an earthly father's brokenness, it can begin to rob us of the ability to see the love um, and the the provision and the kindness of our heavenly father. Mm-hmm. And so I think people ought to mourn. I think people ought to grieve. I think people ought to be honest about the consequences of sinful fathering, right? Um, but they ought to be also mindful that it not rob them of the father who does not fail, right? Yeah. That it doesn't get in their way of seeing that. And I think you can do that through honesty and grief, you know, both honesty and grief together, uh, allow us to be able to say, you know what, this is a, what I, what I have here in my earthly father is insufficient, but thanks be to God for a heavenly father who is all sufficient um, and I, I think, I think it allows us to more deeply appreciate, um, the love, the love of our father, God. Right. And so I'm always struck by the relationship that the Lord chose to lift up for us to understand, um, God's self, right. Through that, between a son and a father, um, through God sending his only begotten son, right. This, this example of the self-sacrificing, um, loving father who gives away the most precious thing that he has Mm. um, for the good of all that would become his children. And that heavenly father who um, epitomizes sacrifice and provision is the one that we have to be motivated to see, to cling to, um, to surrender to. Amen. Yes, we do. We have to surrender. Um, um, to him. And I think, uh, I am thinking now, um, now as I'm thinking about my own question coming out, um, I'm thinking about specifically now who's coming to mind and who I want to really speak to are people who are maybe even struggle with God because of their own, uh, experience with their earthly father. And so we call, uh, God father. Um, and so, and we know that God is a spirit, right? 
So that doesn't mean that that God actually has male um, anatomy. He does not. Uh, he does not have female anatomy either because he is spirit. Uh, but we right. refer to God. So so it begs the question, well, why you call God he? You know, uh, use, you know, male pronouns and call him father. Um, but the reason why we do that is because uh, Jesus told us in John 4 um, that the true worshipers of God worship God in spirit and in truth, right? Um, and, and Jesus taught us how to pray and he told us, you know, to call God father, you know, uh, our father who art in heaven Absolutely. and you all know the prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's why we call God father and that's why we approach him as father. And so we don't get to call God, whatever we want to call him <laughs> because Jesus has taught us how to, um, speak to God, the father. Um, and he submits, uh, Jesus submitted to, and does submit, um, uh, to God, uh, his father. And so, uh, so I want, I want, I, I do want to, you know, speak to those people and know that, um, that our earthly fathers are meant to uh, either point us uh, to, well, they are meant to actually point us to God the Father, right? The one who is the best father, who doesn't leave nor forsake us, who abounds with steadfast love, um, who, who makes the sun rise on the just and the unjust, the one who wakes us up in the morning um, and, and, and ensures that grace and mercy follows us day by day, each day. Um, that's the God who, who we look to. So even in our father's failures um, in the, in the worst things, you know, that, that, that they have done um, to you um, it's meant to even show you that, man, there, there is a God who sees you, who knows you, who loves you and who cares for you, even in your anger right now, even in your anger with him, him being God, uh, that he's always there, um, ready, you know, to receive you with open arms. And he's always standing, knocking, ready, um, and looking, uh, to, to embrace you. And so, so I, I, I just want to give strong support to people who are struggling, um, with that or struggling through this episode, uh, because they haven't had um, the best experience of their father. And so I think that's, that's important. And I want you all to know that you are seen uh, and that you are loved and that you are cared for. Um, and that uh, God really is a father to the fatherless. I've experienced that as a child uh, who, as, as one in which I think, yeah, I think of myself as a child really um, who, who's lost their father and who, who's, who has not had a father in, for many, many years. I've known that, um, um, to be true in my own life. And so I would want to encourage those who, who understand that ache, who have known that ache all their lives though. Um, so yeah. And do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I feel that it's so, it's so important for us to continue to acknowledge each other. And again, like we said in the beginning to hear and to listen to each other's stories to mm -hmm. the narratives that people are sharing and not only that but to experience the compassion that jesus taught us his father taught him yeah to go into people's homes into their stories to sit with to sup with to yes. weep with them and i believe that it is that grace uh, that's going to teach us not only how to hear each other but to speak to each other. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. I honestly think it's time for us to change our definition of comfort and joy. Just my random soapbox yeah. is yeah. that <laughs> I don't know comfort if it only involves my being comfortable. Right, I don't right, know right. joy if I'm the only person who deserves to be happy. 
So yeah, what, what does that mean for community? What does that mean for the household of God? So our, to our brothers who are going through the, the intimidation of not having a good dad or not feeling like you're not a good dad, to our sisters who are going through the pain and the recovery, the healing process, God willing, of not knowing a good dad, not having a good dad, or even wanting badly to find a good father for the children you have. Mm-hmm. We see you, we hear you, and we long to sit at the table with you. So please, please continue to reach out to us and to yes. share your stories for sure because we want to do family the way that we've been taught to do family, and mm-hmm. that is that Jesus' blood that runs through our veins is thicker and more connecting than our biological parentage as well. Amen. Mm. Amen. And that's what Jesus taught us. You know, mm. he, he said, who, who's my mother? Who's my brother? You know, it's the one who actually heeds the Lord's commands, period. Like, you know, um, so, so our, our bonds um, and our adoption in Christ is actually stronger than our blood mm-hmm. bonds. You know, that doesn't mean we should be, you know, that we, we still need to try to honor our parents as, mm-hmm. as, as best as we can as fallen human beings. But, but there is, um, 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 a love that surpasses that and that's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ so we just give strong support to those who are suffering um, and struggling um, with this upcoming Father's Day um, and we just pray oh God that, that you know the, the the spirit of the Lord would be upon you uh, and that um, that spirit would bind up every broken wound um, and, 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 and that that the Lord would give you beauty for ashes Okay, and joy for pain. Um, so I want to thank you, ladies, so much for uh, riffing <laughs> re, uh, on Black fatherhood. This is there was a lot to unpack here, and we hope that our conversation was helpful uh, for our listeners. And we want to thank you all for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about Black fatherhood using the hashtag. Sorry, using the hashtag Truth's Table. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Truth's Table or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on that satchel podcast player. Truth's Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York, and we have been your hosts, Ekemini, Michelle and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. <laughs>